Okay, so the name of this study for tonight is, well, pretty simple, but the Lord speaks to us in very simplistic ways. With, in, and upon the Holy Spirit. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and open our Bibles to Acts chapter 19. So when Kathy shared with me regarding the series on the Holy Spirit, I was touched because I really believe in the utter recesses of my heart that we, the church, his people, are seriously more than ever lacking in the power of the Holy Spirit, lacking the urgency, the fervency of even desiring to know and have his power at work within us and upon us in our daily lives. Yes, it's true. Even we here who have received Christ as our Lord and Savior so desperately need his power. We need his power every waking moment to walk in the ways of God so we won't succumb to walking in our ways, which is the flesh, and the ways of the world, or even the enemy's ways. So when we live like that, when we walk in our own ways, when we're doing our own thing, following our flesh and the world, we lack the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we become, as I would say, we become spiritually anemic. When we lack his power. And you probably know, ladies, what it's like to be physically anemic. You have no energy. You have no drive. You're drained. You're tired, lethargic, and very, very weak. And this can happen to us spiritually as well. But don't we want God to do these wonders that he wants to do in And through our lives. But in one sense, he can't. Okay. Until we surrender to the wonder-working power who dwells within us. And he longs to be upon us. Life as a believer in Jesus Christ shouldn't be precarious. Meaning by chance. Okay. But victorious. Due to the dunamis dynamite power given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given to us his church, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is so sensitive and gentle. And yet, at the same time, he is so very powerful, granting us the ability to overcome Satan and his lies. The world And its atheistic philosophies and our flesh, the fallen nature that we need to bring into subjection by the spirit every single day of our lives. Especially in these last of the last days that we live in now. 
We need, ladies, to redeem the time. Even this time that we're here right now, we need to redeem it. As Ephesians 5.16 shares with us, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We who know the Lord have been warned in God's word that the days ahead will get more and more evil. So we need to be in the word and we need to be in prayer. This is so very, very vital to our spiritual life. So you can stay strong in him through these evil days. We've already been experiencing some crazy things and there's going to be even some crazier things ahead. But stay spiritually strong. Stay in the word and stay in prayer. Staying spiritually strong will make us wise women. And how we need to live as wise women in these last, last days. And we need to be begging God as wise women to empower us with this Holy Spirit. So we can be vessels worthy of honor, living with joy, no matter the circumstances that are going on around us. And I know many of you here are going through many tears and trials and tough times. And I'm right there with you. This week has been a crazy week for me, but he is on the throne. Okay. So tonight we have been given this awesome, awesome opportunity to learn about the indwelling and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And prayerfully, by the end of the evening, we will have more insight on how he takes residence within us and how he empowers us to serve him. Now, here in Acts 19, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we'll come back to it a little later. Okay, I'm just going to set the stage for now. So right now, we're just going to read it, and then we'll come back to it later on. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Okay, with that backdrop, let's look over the three ways in which the Holy Spirit can potentially work in our lives. First, the Holy Spirit is with us, which is pada in the Greek. Second, the Holy Spirit is in us. And third, the Holy Spirit is upon us. Now, I'm just going to touch on the Holy Spirit with us. The Greek word, like I said earlier, is pada. Now, before we became Christians or become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. 
He is with us, convicting us of sin, convincing us of who Jesus is and how much we need him. Sort of like Jiminy Cricket, okay, telling Pinocchio how he is acting in a wrong way and how he needs to make things right. So Jesus told us in John 16, verses 7 through 8, that he needed to go away. Okay, he would die, resurrect, and go to heaven. So the helper, who is the Holy Spirit, would come to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. As you may already know, we human beings exist in trichotomy. We are body, soul, and spirit. Our body, of course, is a physical part of us. The soul, who is who we are as a person, mentally, emotionally, and volitionally, okay? And then there's that part of us that exists spiritually. The spirit part of us is dead until we become a believer in Christ. So once we hear the gospel and we choose to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, regeneration occurs. We become spiritually revived, which then changes the trichotomy order around, which now changes to spirit, soul, and body last. Prior to becoming a Christian, our spirit was dead. Then once we come to Christ, we become regenerated spiritually speaking. The spirit should rule over the body now, okay? Before we were Christians, the body was ruling. The spirit was dead. But now as believers in Christ, the spirit is ruling over the body now, okay? He should be ruling over the body now. We were once dead in our sins, but have now become alive in Christ, as Ephesians 2, 1 tells us. So once conversion happens... We move from bara to en, from with to in. And 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 shares that our body houses the Holy Spirit who is in us, whom God gave to us. We no longer belong to ourselves anymore. We were bought at a very, very precious price. So now with him dwelling in me, I am to glorify God in my body and spirit, which are God's. Now, this may be familiar to some of you out there, but it's so very vital for all of us to know that these things must be repeated frequently. In life and in this world, we can get pretty busy and distracted with all that we're doing and all that's around us. And my husband likes to say this a lot. It's been said, if the devil can't deceive, he'll distract you. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, right? With that being said, how often do we ponder the thought that he lives in us? Every day, we should remind ourselves of his presence in our lives. For he is the Holy Spirit working in us to make us holy in every facet of our everyday lives. In John 14, 16 to 17, Jesus tells us, and I will pray the Father, 
And he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And anyone here needs help, right? I know I need help every day, and I'm sure you all do too, right? And he is also the spirit of truth, which we need to have the spirit of truth in the land of lies that we live in, right? Now, what an awesome thought is that? That is that God takes residence in us, wretched sinners that we are, all because of the beautiful work that Christ did on the cross for us. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 tells us, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Jesus is the cornerstone and you're blessed to be called Calvary Chapel Cornerstone here because Jesus is the cornerstone. That firm foundation that is building us into his holy people by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God congregationally, 1 Corinthians 3.16 shares. And we are the temple of God personally, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that. Now 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16b says, you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Isn't that awesome when you think about that? Ponder that for a moment. The God of all the universe, the God who created all things, wants to be your God, and allows you the privilege of being his people. It's awesome. But it also comes with added accountability. 2 Corinthians 6.17 follows up by saying, Therefore, come out from among them, the idolatrous world, and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. We are called by God to be holy, a separated people. And since he dwells in us, it is actually possible for the one within us is powerful. Now, of course, we won't be perfect on this side of time, but we should be proper and have a heart to please God. Is that right? As his people, amen, right? Now, some of you out there have been blessed in abiding 
the Lord. But there may be some who have struggled, even as a Christian. Listen. Part of the purpose of this study is so that you won't give up. Tonight, I pray you would look up. You would look to him. Now, I've been a Christian for almost 33 years now. August 20th will be my spiritual birthday. And on this journey with Jesus, he hasn't given up on me. Although I have failed him often, he hasn't given up on me. I haven't arrived. I'm nowhere near the superwoman I want to be. But he has used his Holy Spirit in my life to further conform me into the person he's making me to be. He has taught me to be so very sensitive to that still, small voice within, which is him. He warns, he comforts, teaches, and convicts me, and you also, to help us. He is a very true and faithful friend who speaks truth to us when we need to hear it the most. And aren't you thankful for those faithful friends that you have in your life that are willing to speak the truth even when it hurts? But you need to hear it because they love you. Remember Jesus' words to the woman at the well in John 4, 24, that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Honestly, he deserves nothing less than that because of all that he's done for us. What I'm trying to say here is, why is it after walking with the Lord for a while, maybe 3, 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years, we falter back into our old ways of living before we became Christians? When we do that, we reveal that we are walking in our own strength and not God's strength anymore. Now I brought my glove here tonight and this is us in our own strength. We're just there. We, there's no use, right? It's not useful, but notice the difference when God comes into our lives and into our hearts. We're able to work for him, to be those helping hands, and we're even able to worship him. Whereas before, we were dead, we just had nothing. But in his strength, we can do all things, right? But in our own strength, okay, when we do things in our own way, there will be unkind words, attitudes, anger, envy, jealousy, gossip, moodiness, subtle slander, worldliness, drinking, drug use, maybe using prescription drugs, being promiscuous, sexual things. Dressing immodestly, coveting, being selfish, 
greediness, lying, whether a little white lie or a ginormous one, when we act or behave in our willful ways that aren't under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it will be very, very evident. So girls, it is by the Spirit we are able to put to death that old woman, as Colossians chapter 3 tells us. And ladies, the beautiful promise in Romans 8.13 is, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That picture in baptism, where the old lady is down and dead, and the new lady rises in the power of the resurrection. Before the crown, there is the cross. Okay, remember that. So first, the Holy Spirit is with us. Then he comes in us when we become believers. Which brings me to the last point for tonight. And it's an epic one. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. Now, the upon or a P, which it is in Greek, experience is when the Holy Spirit empowers the believer, even more over sin and for Christian service. When this happens, the power of God's Spirit flows to us and through us and touches the lives of the people all around us. In John 7, 38, we read, I'm going to say she here. She who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of her heart will flow rivers of living water. This is in reference to the outpouring of the spirit. Luke 24, 49 and Acts 1, 8 shares that same promise. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this act of the Holy Spirit empowering the believer is what is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me see if I can give you a visual here. Okay, I actually got this from Pastor Chuck. (laughs) Imagine an empty glass next to a large pitcher, okay, of water. This pitcher would be pada. It's with the glass. Here's your glass and here's the pitcher. Okay? The pitcher is with the glass. Now, if I start pouring the water from the pitcher into the glass, the water is now in this pitcher. Right? So, as the glass fills with water and I continue to pour and pour water into it, not stopping. And I'm pouring water into it and all over it, the glass begins to what? Overflow. The water is now upon or overflowing. You started out with pata, the pitcher and the glass. They're with each other, but then it, the water moved in to the glass And then it wound up with the pee just overflowing and overflowing. Sisters, this is available to us. John 7, 37 through 39 tells us that. Now, Pastor Chuck shared in his book, 
Living Water, which, by the way, I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. It's a great book. But he shared in his book, Living Water, all about this. While many Christians have the Holy Spirit in them, the Holy Spirit is not flowing forth out of their lives. They need to experience via P this baptism with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Chuck then goes on to say, So many Christians have the Spirit all bottled up inside. The Spirit does not flow forth from their life, and they seem content to be nominal Christians, to hang around, but never to overflow. Yet it is God's desire, purpose, and will that our lives overflow with the Spirit. Now, with that being said, we finally get back to what we opened up with in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. So let's go ahead and read it again, considering what we looked over so far. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. So here we see that when Paul came to Ephesus, he came across some disciples. But Paul could tell that something was lacking in these so-called disciples' lives, disciples' lives. Maybe it was a lack of joy. They said they were Christians, but you wouldn't know it by looking at their lives. Something was missing. They had no power. Because Paul was filled with the Spirit, he was able to discern that something wasn't right with these guys. So Paul asked them in verse 2, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They replied that they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. And just as a quick side note here, there's a lot of people, even in the church, who've heard about the Holy Spirit, but don't know about him the third person of the Blessed Trinity. So, back to Paul. So Paul asked them, tell me about your baptism. They said, we were baptized into John's baptism, which is a baptism of of repentance from sin, not a baptism into Christ. So Paul shared Jesus with them, and they believed in him. They were saved. Then they get water baptized. Praise God for that. But then after this, Paul prays for them. He lays his hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. This is a third position 
preposition we're studying tonight, with, in, and upon. Here is an example of those who receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit after conversion. But how did it all start? It started by Paul noticing there's something missing in the lives of these so-called disciples. Maybe you're here tonight and there's something missing. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The apostles experienced the same thing. First, the Spirit was with them. Then the Holy Spirit came in them in John 20, 22. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts 2. Paul also had said the same order of events. This also happened to Paul when on the road to Damascus, the Lord spoke with Paul and he surrendered his life to Jesus. But it wasn't until Jesus sent Ananias in Acts 17 that Paul was filled with the spirit. And for the record, this is how it was for me too. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit subsequent to conversion. Okay. Now, there are some who receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they're saved right at the moment of conversion. So there's some where it happens after, but some it happens at the moment they get saved. In Acts chapter 10, Peter was sent to the house of a centurion by the name of Cornelius, who had gathered with many of his friends in his home. As Peter shared the gospel with them at the moment of their conversion, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They were saved, and the Holy Spirit came in and on them simultaneously. And this is what happened to my husband as well. The day he got saved, boom, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit right then and there. Now, for some reason, and only God knows why, some received the baptism of the Holy Spirit subsequent to conversion, while others receive it at conversion. Now, you might be sitting here tonight wondering, have I had the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? A simple question to ask is, do I have victory over sin? Or are you still struggling and find yourself defeated a lot? Do you have a hunger and a heart to serve the Lord in some sort of ministry? This is another sign to look for. Now, as for you who have already been baptized with the Holy Spirit, we still need to be filled, don't we? We still need to be refilled. Ephesians 5.18 tells us, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, a wasted life, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you ask him daily? Do you ask the Lord daily for a fresh refilling of his spirit? How we need to get filled up on a daily basis because we run dry and we need to get refilled because the evidence of being filled with the spirit is, do you know what it is? The evidence of being filled with the spirit is love. 1 Corinthians 13 makes that very, very clear. If you don't have love in your life, 
You got to ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit on a daily basis so you can love that disgruntled coworker, and you can love maybe that child that's just bringing you a lot of drama so you can love your enemy okay love makes it very clear all right now luke verse chapter 11 verses 10 through 13 also shares with us for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How we need this precious gift of the Holy Spirit in the church today. The church is lacking his power. And we need nothing less than to go out into this dying world and be effective witnesses for him. You know, don't you ladies, that the days we are in and the days that are coming are going to get much much darker and i'm not trying to be miss doom and gloom here but it's true okay and how much more do we need his power now i'd like to share a quote by christian author aw tozer listen to what he said now you probably heard this before but it's very good to get reminded if the holy spirit was withdrawn from the church today 95 percent of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop. Why is that? Because unlike the early church, much of what we do is not spirit-led, it's not spirit-bred, and it's not spirit-powered. Now I'm going to close with a question. How much of the Holy Spirit do you have? Consider the words with, in, and upon. And how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Tonight, I invite you to believe and receive by faith. That which he would give to you. Okay? Let's go ahead and pray. Oh, Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for your word that gives us truth and gives us clarity, Lord God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord God, who was with us before we came to know you. And came into us when we received you as our Lord and Savior. And now wants to work upon us to overflow, Lord God, within us. To bring many to you, Lord God. And also for the wonderful works that you have for us to do for you, Lord. The beautiful gifts you have for us. 
And Lord God, I ask if there be anybody here tonight who doesn't know you. Maybe they were invited or maybe they've been coming to church, but they don't have a relationship with you. I pray tonight that they would give their life to you. And if there be anybody here, I just ask you to stay in your seat and just say this prayer within your heart. Lord Jesus, come into my life this evening. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Cleanse me from all my sins as I desire to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I also, Lord God, want to lift up those who may not know if they've had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that they by faith, Lord God, would come up and they would desire to be prayed over, Lord God. If you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're not sure, okay, Kathy and some of the women will be up here to pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's by faith, okay, that you do this. And if you're not sure, come on up, okay? And also, I want to pray for you who are, who have that, that you would be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Lord God, I just pray for those, Lord God, who have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but they need to be refilled. Maybe they didn't know they had to ask for that on a continual basis, and now they do. I just ask for a fresh refilling for myself as well as for them, Lord. And once again, I thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.